On today's show, we have the creator of the U.S. Chamber's Women Taking the Lead Initiative. This important major advocacy initiative brings together high-performing women leaders in business and in government to solve critical problems and advance a growing network of leaders at the VP level and above. Today, our guest is a recognized voice on women in leadership. Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. Now, let's get started. On today's show, we speak with Ashley Wilson, Vice President, Government Affairs, and Executive Director, Women Taking the Lead, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. She is the creator of the U.S. Chamber's Women Taking the Lead initiative, bringing together high-performing women leaders in business and government. Ashley's role includes serving as the U.S. Chamber's chief tax lobbyist and providing general legislative strategy and direction for its powerhouse lobbying team. She is also in charge of helping build out public affairs arm of her division to showcase the Chamber's work on Capitol Hill and putting a spotlight on the many ways business can lead in advocacy. Now, prior to all those hats at the U.S. Chamber, Ashley's career began on Capitol Hill, where she served for five years as a senior advisor to the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Ashley to today's show. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you, Roger, for that introduction. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Well, I am thrilled beyond pieces to have you here. I love what you're doing. And as our guests can already tell, this woman has an awful lot on her plate, and we're grateful she's taken the time to share her expertise with us today. Now, Ashley, let's dive right into the Women Taking the Lead initiative. I'm excited to learn more as you are advocating for women in leadership. Now, as the creator of this program, please explain the program's scope of work and maybe how it began. Sure, absolutely. I am so thrilled you asked about that. It's a passion um, deep in my heart for women and women in leadership roles. Women Taking the Lead launched in 2019. It came out after an article was written in the Washington Post, quoting a recruiter, uh, saying it's really difficult to find women um, right now. It's difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm under so much pressure to come up with a diverse slate of, uh, of personnel to, to uh, show to these companies. And we can't find women. We don't know. They're not in the pipeline and they're just not showing up as much as we would like them to. And my, uh, my friends who were happening to be sitting around me at that time were all VPs of American Express, the Carlo Group, 
you know, various companies across the board. And we all laughed and said, why in 2019 are we still having that story? That is so odd. You could see that in 1950s or 60s or 70s or 80s, but not 2019. And we dug into it a little bit when this pretty engaged conversation and we thought, okay, is it us? Are we not doing enough to showcase ourselves, to talk about what we're doing? When or is say, it those Ashley, when you say us, are you talking about women not knowing? Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, is it, you know, women are not doing enough to talk about their successes and therefore showcasing and highlighting each other and our successes so that recruiters can find us? Or is it the recruiters are just, you know, recycling the same people and over and over and over and over again, choosing people that look like them. And, and uh, you know, so, you know, what is it? And we, uh, we came to the, uh, the point that it's a little bit of, of both, that um, we have responsibility as women to talk about our accomplishments and to be seen and heard. And it was, uh, and, you know, we, we said we need a platform. We need to get more women on panels, more women speaking. How do we do that? And I said, well, we have a platform at the Chamber of Commerce. We should be doing it. We should be leading. And so we launched Women Taking the Lead in 2019 with just a few women, a few companies. And, and now it's you know thousands of women who are engaged and active in this program. And we couldn't be more thrilled. Um, you know, Our goals with this program is to advance more women. Um, to have women be vulnerable with the, with each other and ask for help. Um, you know, we find that women, when they get to a certain point in their careers, they're spending more time mentoring and helping others and putting their head down and working and not so much looking up and asking and asking for help. So they're they're looking for a place to go to say, hey, I'm new as a head of office. Help me. And they don't necessarily want to go within their organizations to ask for help, but to go outside their organizations. And that's why you're seeing a lot of these women, women groups kind of start up because women want to ask other women how to do this. How so to this can, yeah, so great idea, great concept, sadly, well overdue. <laughs> uh, sadly that it is needed as you indicated. Uh, and this community of women, uh, who's it for? Who specifically kind of fits being in the women uh, taking the lead? It's a natural fit for women who are new CEOs or new VPs, new heads of offices. They're um, senior level. And uh, when you go to women taking the lead to meet other senior level women and to get advice and hear from them. And so it's, it's, it's a, a, a networking, a support, inclusive community of government relations, um, women in government relations, also women entrepreneurs and women in, in corporate America have joined us as well. So you talked about the networking being one of the, the program benefits. Uh, I think I've seen where you've put on a, a number of different events. So some, what are some of the other program benefits for people out there that are listening that absolutely fit this demographic and that really should be engaged? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we meet once a month 
And, um, and uh, during the pandemic, we met more often. We had a lot of different types of speakers to engage, to keep people connected. Um, we had our first in-person meeting uh, last week. And uh, what we found is that we, uh, one of the program benefits is to be in a cohort of women, of 20 or so. Uh, so we had 20 women in a group. Um, they were all sort of newly minted heads of offices or along with some senior women, um, women as well. Um, and we went around and said, tell me about your success and tell me where we can help you. And then we paired up people. So yes, you can come for speakers. You also can come to learn, uh, to get advice, to get mentorship. Uh, there's a lot of, we partner with a lot of different groups. Today, we partner with the Traveler, Travelers Institute and we heard from Sue Herrera uh, from um, CNBC, and she was the first woman who, uh, you know, delved into the financial financial reporting, and she talked a lot about what it's like to be a woman in that field. So, uh, you know, educate, connect, and champion, and that's the champion part is what I get really excited about, because in the past, uh, there was maybe only one slot for a woman as a CEO, and now we're seeing more and more opportunities. People want a diverse slate. They understand the business case for diversity and they're asking for, for more women. And so what we're doing here is championing. If you're in our group, if you belong, um, if you're in our group, we champion you online and in person. Um, you'll see a lot of activity on LinkedIn. You'll see a lot of activity on uh, Twitter and social media. So if you have an idea or a blog post, or a speech, we will put, we will all engage in supporting, uh, encouraging, liking, passing the material material around, and just creating sort of an echo of, wow, she's, this is a great opportunity, this is a great piece, this is a great thought article and speech. You know, you uh, you posted, you mentioned LinkedIn and, and doing some research here. I saw one of the articles that you wrote where you said that, uh, your network is your net worth. Uh, and it sure sounds like being in that network uh, enables you to increase your net worth. Uh, and you're talking to you're talking to women all the time uh, about these things and and because they're in, I don't want to say unique, and I really don't want it to be a unique situation. I want it to be where it's not a unique situation and kind of you're out of business because, you know, you've achieved all the goals, but you're talking to women all the time. What are their biggest issues that they share with you about being a woman in leadership roles? Great question. I find that women ask two questions. They're in two buckets. And one is, they are not, uh, they have advanced through the company or their association quickly, and they aren't maybe trained. They haven't had time to get an MBA or they haven't had time to, you know, read the books on leadership or um, be exposed to good leaders. And so they're looking for training. They're looking for advice. Um, they're looking for, you know, how do I do this? Just, you know, quick nuts and bolts. How do I budget? So the one bucket is training, you know, feeling like they, they need more help. 
And the second bucket is there's still that imposter syndrome of I'm nervous about leading when I'm not sure how well I'm leading. And so it's a lot of you're doing fine, you're doing great. Um, checking in on the imposter syndrome. Is that really true? We're, we're, all, we're all just doing the best we can. And um, you're, you're, you're great. Yeah. And, and, and realizing that whether you're a male or a female, you still have all those same thoughts that occur. You still have all those same issues. But I think women take it to heart more than men do and are willing to maybe make themselves a little vulnerable as opposed to men who will not put themselves out there. Would you agree with that or disagree? Oh, yeah. I mean, I absolutely. Um, no, women will sit with it a little bit longer and say, gosh, you know, I didn't do that. I didn't do that speech so well. I wonder how I could have done it better. And they'll pick it apart or they'll call friends and, and you know, they'll just sit with it. Um, and out of that sometimes comes a better, better leader because they've been able to pick it apart and move on. But men, I think, tend to move on and just go to the next thing. And so they, maybe they don't sit with that imposter syndrome as long as women do. But this is definitely something that shows up. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to ask this, but I, it's, it's crossing my mind here. Uh, do you think your organization helps with the empathy that the women experience? Yes, empathy is so huge right now. Coming out of the co out of COVID, yeah. um, we've seen such um, such a change because we are all um, worried about our families, about schooling, about balancing it all. Uh, men are worried as much as we are. We tend to have to do the grocery shopping or or the carpooling a little bit more. Um, so more women are checking in with each other. How are you doing? Can I help? And I think the empathy part is now it's okay to talk about how hard life is. <laughs> it's a little bit okay to talk about, wow, I've got a balance. This balancing thing is, is, is really hard. And it's okay to talk about women dropping out of the workforce because it's just too hard. And I think it's an acknowledgement that life is hard. We need each other. Let's stay connected let's help each other and let's just make sure that, you know, as we rise, we help each other. Um, we help everybody, but we keep that empathy with us so that we're both, we're all humans. We're, uh, you know, we're in need of uh, compassion and empathy and kindness. And so leading with kindness is just key. Yeah. Comfort and care and a knowledge that you're not alone. Right. I think is is, is really key there. So where do you see this program in, let's say in five years or 10 years? Great question. I see this program where it, this is recreated in many different states, where we're already seeing it in Florida and Mississippi and South Carolina, where women are taking uh, through the chambers or having women leadership organizations like women taking the lead. Um, so I see this sort of recreated across the country. I see um, more women on corporate boards. I see more women in leadership. I see definitely see uh, DC with more women at the top. So uh, I'm very excited. And I think um, our program here is helping leaders be authentic, kind leaders 
to take those roles. So as we're talking about the expansion of this and, and, and going to other places, there's often talk about <clears throat> women breaking that glass ceiling. And can you share some of the stats that are currently out there about the number of women that may be in that C-suite space overall, as well as the number of leaders that are running Fortune 500 companies? Yeah, absolutely. The last I checked, one in five C-suite women, there's one in five who are women in the C-suite. That's 5% of the Fortune 500 companies. 5% 5% of women in the Fortune 500 companies. One in 25 um, were women of color. Um, we, uh, there's more men named John than, uh, who had a company than women who are, uh, you know, a, a CEO. So the numbers are staggering. They're getting, they're getting better. They are getting better, but um, the World Economic Forum said it was going to be 99.5 years until there was gender equity. That just seems like a, you know, a preposterous thing, um, but I think it just takes a long time to get to that number. And you know, it's really heartbreaking to me is that the pandemic really, you know, you saw three million um, women drop out of the workforce, and that's going to have an impact on on women leaders as well. Um, you know, that was, was quite a hit. Yeah, that, that, put, that puts a drain on the future uh, of women leaders and, and kind of uh, provides a step back rather than a, than a step forward, which also emphasizes the real importance of what you're doing uh, is, is to keep that going. Uh, you know, I, could, I think I could talk about this program probably for hours. You're so uh, kind. But uh, because I think it, I think it's so vitally important. Uh, I'm fortunate. Enough. My wife is uh, is an executive vice president for a firm, uh, and I champion her all the time. Uh, but you know, it's it's a smaller firm, and it's a woman-owned firm, and uh, and you know they they do great work uh, together. And there's there's no need to, for a man to come in and ro- kind of ruin what, what, what good work that they're doing there. Uh, I want to spin a little bit to a couple of other hats that you wear and just spend a minute or two on them. Uh, you're the government affair, or you're the vice president of government affairs, but the chief tax lobbyist at the U.S. Chamber. Uh, and I'm going to ask not about tax policy. But why do you think political influence is important to business? It's crucial. It's everything. Um, <laughs> it is. You're right. It really is. I mean, uh, if, if you if you pare back the onion, um, what is business? Uh, business is a job. What does a job mean to you? What does a job mean to your family and your community? Um, it means you can take care of your family, you can take them out to dinner. Uh, it is uh, the vibrancy of our economy. It's the connectedness to our community. It's, uh, it's the ability to survive and thrive. And so um, being able to have a healthy economy and have jobs here in America and have um, just the resources to be able to uh, pay a good salary is so important. And when that is drained, uh, 
that's a problem. And so having that message up on Capitol Hill, like this is this is how this is going to influence jobs. This is how your policy is going to impact our industry is really important. Well, and, and, and you're at the forefront then of defending and protecting those jobs uh, that are out there in, in the business community. And you do that, you know, with a thousand different touch points of how you, how you reach those things along the way. I, I read that you have, you said something or something was said very uniquely about how you focus on telling stories in innovative ways. And uh, I found that that fascinating just by adding that innovative part. Is there an example or, or tell me why you think that's important, either one? Well, I think there's so much news out there and maybe there's statistics. Um, maybe they come from the, you know, a, a variety of different places. Do you trust them? Do you not? But what you can trust is a story that is told from, from uh, a person that has been impacted. And so while this not may not be innovative, it's true. Uh, having someone tell their story is important, but then how you tell it. So you need to do advocacy videos. Um, so we've had really a lot of success with videos, um, telling stories, um, being out in the states and the cities where, um, you know, capturing a conversation or capturing a nugget of truth, um, telling the story, being back at home in the industry uh, with the, you know, factor uh, the, in the factory. So that's what we like to do is just, um, tell the story in a way that will really have somebody think about what that means for a job. Well, and, and it, as you were saying all that, it, it reminded me that somewhere along the way I did research in the first U.S. president to ever use kind of the bully pulpit of the State of the Union address to pull out everyday individuals uh, and tell some of the stories to back where they wanted to go with policy and do that effectively was Ronald Reagan. And, you know, and I'm often reminded, well, I got a letter the other day from Johnny, you know, and, and, and how Ronald would then tell the story in a way. And so by using those videos and getting those testimonials from people that are, you know, kind of the boots on the ground and the people that are really feeling the effect of... Yeah a particular policy or lack thereof of particular policy, you know, does, does make a, a really big difference. Uh, and so storytelling is really important in, in grassroots messaging. So how do you educate your grassroots supporters and activate them on those important issues for the business community? Sure, absolutely. You know, obviously, right now up on Capitol Hill, we have a major bill going through the Build Back Better uh, bill, which we have some concerns with um, the way the bill is uh, written and maybe the taxes that are uh, implied onto um, companies as well as individuals. And so we educate by fact sheets, the obvious, this is what's in the bill, and this is how it impacts you. Um, we do the grassroots letters, the calls, um, we have billboards, um, we have websites, we have video testimonials, we have TV and radio, uh, but mostly what we do 
and which has been interesting this year is the webinars. You know, let me walk through what is in this bill and why you should be concerned. And hopefully that's that's where we get most of our grassroots advocacy is they, right. they see this and they they come, they want information and they want it from a trusted source. And so the chamber has been a trusted source for 109 years and we, that's where we get our, our grassroots. Yeah, mul- multiple touch points, uh, marketing and communications and, and providing that trusted resource that, uh, that people can go to, uh, to, to get the information that's, that's accurate uh, and correct. Uh, we also, the, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, we also travel, uh, we, you know, we've got regional offices. We do a lot of, we bring people from DC out to the, you know, the various states. We bring various states back to DC. We do a lot of that back and forth um, to make sure they policy, uh, the policy is explained properly. Right. No, that, that's an excellent, excellent point. So what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the word advocacy? Advocate for yourself. <laughs> advocacy is, uh, is uh, you know, standing up and saying what matters. And, yeah. um, you know, we all are advocates. Um, you know, this passion project, women taking the lead, you know, came from a surprise and shock of why are we still talking about this and what can we do better? Um, you know, the chamber comes from a place of we, we, you know, jobs are important. How do we keep the business company thriving? So advocating is standing up, um, and talking, just having a conversation. This is, it doesn't have to be partisan. It doesn't have to be Republican or Democrat. You don't have to have talking points. It's this is what I believe. This is how it's impacted me, and that's the truth. Yeah, and I I I totally I totally agree with all that because I often when I speak to groups even begin with the definition of advocacy. When when you actually look at a definition in a dictionary, it has a very positive connotation. And I all too often think people that aren't involved in any way of being an advocate is that they view it negatively as maybe the dirty word of lobbying and backroom deals and and those kind of things without really truly understanding it is a democratized democratized process of being able to to speak out and and defend uh, your position on, on things. Um, it's the only word, an advocate or a lobbyist is uh, the only job that's actually in the Constitution. So Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, what's the best professional tip you ever received for your career? I'd have to go with one is don't be a jerk. But the second one was... Uh, <laughs> always works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really, most importantly, is this formula that I've um, heard repeated several times. And the formula, um, the acronym is um, PI, P-I-E. So P for performance, I for image, E for exposure. And the best tip I got is that women tend to spend 80% of their time on the P. So they're, they're working 
they're, they're hired, they put their head down, they spend all their time working. And just a little bit of time on the image and just a little bit of time on exposure, getting out and talking about your job. Um, men, on the other hand, spend uh, maybe 10, 20% on their performance and they spend more of their time on the image and exposure, 80% on, you know, let's talk, right? Let's talk about what I'm doing. And they talk about it a lot more. So in order to be successful, we might want to take a uh, page out of the, of the men's book on success and that acronym and switch it. So we spend more time uh, talking about our work and less time talking uh, less time sort of putting your head down and working and not putting your head up and talking about your work. So that's, so that's pie. <laughs> pie. Performance, image, and exposure? Right. I love it. I think that's great. What a great tip you've just provided. Uh, where can, where should women go for additional education throughout their career? Well, first I would say, come to Women Taking the Lead. We'd love to have you. Uh, we uh, spend a lot of time. We have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of resources. We have speech coaches. We have uh, job counselors. We have um, executive coaches. Uh, we have a whole bunch of different um, resources that you could use. Just call me up and ask me, you know, who do I need uh, to write a speech or, or who do I need to call to develop a budget for my office. So we have those resources. We have people too to connect you to. But, you know, obviously, you know, I think this is a really great question. Um, women are entrepreneurs and you're seeing this more and more. I think 42% of um, the new business applications this year were women. And women, um, th this entrepreneurial spirit sometimes they don't want to go to an MBA school or they don't, it doesn't fit with them. So they're doing this more of this continuous education. There's a lot of groups or there's a lot of places where you can get free. Like I will, I will sign up for a day and I learn everything I need to learn. So LinkedIn learning, you know, there, there's a million places to go where you can get help and it doesn't have to be that rigid two years, um, two years out of your life. So I recommend uh, all those resources. You know, uh, Ashley, I can hear it in your voice uh, and I, I can see it in your face, the passion that you have for this uh, and you're quite inspiring uh, for other women. And I hope that uh, the women that are listening to this broadcast uh, will pick up on that the, the same way I have. So finally, where do you then go? to be inspired? Oh, I love that question. I think everybody needs to be inspired, right? I'm inspired every day by women like Brenda Becker, um, Stacy, uh, Diane, um, there are a whole bunch of, of women in, in DC and then my own boss, um, Suzanne, uh, who is the first female president in 109 years at the US Chamber of Commerce. Um, but my personal inspiration comes from the Bible and Jesus and having a, a uh, heart for, um, uh, you know, following um, my faith and, and getting inspired by that. So I, I don't think I can look any higher than God for inspiration. 
Yeah, I think you've gone to the top of the ladder there. I think that's <laughs> a, I think that's very important. You have been a great guest. Is there any final thoughts or anything that you would really like to add here? Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Have courage. Women have courage. Take the risk. Do something outside of your job um, that that um, really makes you passionate. Join a board. Do something that makes you passionate. If it's not in your job, find it somewhere else. And uh, call me up. I'd love to give you a resource. I'd love to add you to Women Taking the Lead, but uh, go for it. How can they learn more about women taking the lead? Great question. Go to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce um, and type in women. And um, you can you will see our website or email me directly. And that's awilson at uschamber.com. Um, get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Um, hashtag women taking the lead. You'll find information there as well. And we will, we will post that hashtag women taking the lead. Uh, in all of the uh, promotion that we do for, for this show. We had a great, great time. That is a wrap of today's wonderful conversation with Ashley Wilson, Vice President, Government Affairs and Executive Director. No wonder she's the Executive Director of Women Taking the Lead at the United States Chamber of Commerce. Thank you, Ashley, for being on the show today. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Roger. What a great time. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's R-A-P-Index.com and tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcasts and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. A big thank you to today's guest. I appreciate your time and the unwavering passion for advocacy you have. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.